0: we don't really guarantee this. We don't really guarantee that. This is a responsibility of somebody else. So at the end of the day, you look at that report and you're like, nah, it's not worth the paper it's printed on.
1: Exactly, and you know, what the point that I've been making for for years, years and years, probably since 2006, I got into an email dispute with Ted Butler about this back in like 2006. I was like, well here, no one trusts the banks. We know that they, they fraudulently report their books So, you know, what makes you think, and they're the ones who report the COMEX data, what makes you think that that's gonna be the only part of their business that they report honestly and ethically? Mm -hmm. What's the probability of that? Welcome to Gold Silver Pros, where you'll learn the ins and outs of the gold and silver markets. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Our affiliates are of the utmost trust, quality, and highest customer service in the industry. Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website, or call 307-264-9441. Hey,
0: everybody. It's Rob Keynes at goldsilverpros.com, and I got together three of my very favorite friends, Dave Kranzler from Investment Research Dynamics, Chris Marcus from the original Arcadia Economics, and Annie Shekman from Miles Franklin. Guys, how are you doing today? Good to see you, fellas. Doing well, Rob. Boys, good to happy. see everyone. Well, you're three of my favorite people in the business and consider you all friends and appreciate you guys hopping on on short notice. Uh I, I did the round table because I think the metals are just under severe pressure in the market right now. Uh There's a lot of, I think, pessimism in the metals, but I don't think there really should be, you know, I'm, I've always been a metals bull, but the, the story hasn't changed for me with the economics and things. That, that's my thought on it. But I want to get other people's opinion on it. You guys, you know, have been following this industry for a long time. So I'll start with you, Andy, you, you know, you do sales. Tell me how sales are. Are they, are they strong right now? Or are people selling back their gold and silver to you?
2: That's one of the things that I'm really glad you asked. There is, it, there is in no way any correlation between the, the drubbing on, on the uh, paper market price and the physical demand. The physical demand is off the charts. And I've often said it's because of guys like you three who are out there talking to people and explaining to them why this is happening and and how illogical the price uh, drop is. And in fact, I would argue that the retail business is actually more robust as the price falls because people realize that even though it gets old, even though it gets tiring, it's a subsidy. And it's such a good value in the face of everything around us, the craziness and, and inflation and geopolitical events and in, in in politics, all of the things that are that would make you want to buy precious metals have never been stronger. Of course, the price isn't agreeing with that yet, but I think it certainly represents a hell of a buying opportunity. And the public agrees our business has never been stronger ever. and um, and I think that's that's a byproduct of people being able to see through just what's going on.
0: Yeah, I, I tweeted out the other day I just felt as though something was a little bit different with people just sort of sort of waking up, not necessarily knowing what's going on, but waking up ar- around looking at the world going, this is not the world that I'm used to. And, and I document on our show uh, this week how a lot of the physical is, is moving around on the markets. ETFs are losing physical. There's actually been some physical silver come off of the actual come off of the COMEX out of total ounces. Uh, Dave, I know you're a little skeptical about silver or gold getting traded on the COMEX because most of it stays in the vault as private storage. So from your perspective, looking at that, do you think that we're having a run on the metals right now? Or do you think that really that hasn't begun yet?
1: All right, that's a good question. But before I answer, um, I'm just curious, Andy, I remember, I don't know, about four to six months ago, you had mentioned you had had a, a nine figure order for gold eagles from a hedge fund. So um, no, just... we,
2: we were working on a nine-figure uh, nine order. We had our biggest order of my 33-year career 10 days ago. It was $50 million order. And the client actually wants us to tell the world that she placed this order. We received a $50 million wire without even as much as an email or an uh, invoice to, to acknowledge it. She just wired the money. She bought close to 900,000 Silver Eagles. I cleaned out every Silver Eagle that I could find. We had 90,000 in stock. I had to find over 800,000. I called every distributor and took allocations into August. She bought over a million ounces of silver. The rest of it comprised of junk silver. Junk silver is becoming as rare as hen's teeth. The rest went into gold. And she claims this is the first of several up to a billion dollars that she wants to play. She's a a billionaire. Now, if you would have asked me any time in my career, you know, someone says you're going to get a $50 million order. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. Um, But it happened. It's real. And I think that's emblematic of big money for the very, very first time in my career, waking up, waking up to, you know, the reality that leaving your money in traditional based assets, stocks, bonds, and real estate all inversely correlated to a rise in rates is very dangerous. So The hedge fund we're still working on uh, and we're still in communication with. It's a very rigorous, long process. But this was a private investor who reached out to us. Actually, it was to Bill Holter, reached out to Bill, placed the order. And um, in all my career, I've never seen anything like it to the point where she just wired the money and didn't even call to say, did you get my wire? Didn't even ask for (laughs) a receipt. Didn't even ask for an email confirmation that this is I mean, it was just. It's emblematic, I think, of at least maybe uh, a good portion of the big money finally waking up to the realization that stocks, bonds, and real estate may not be the sole uh, road to retirement. Melinda Gates? Excuse me? No, it wasn't Melinda Gates. (laughs) Jeff Bezos, ex-wife? Yeah, right. Just uh, just a good old Texan gal who who inherited an awful lot of money and... um, It was a pretty cool experience. Two days, 20 hours, all I did is call everyone I knew after 33 years of making relationships and said,
1: give me whatever you have. Yeah, you look tired. (laughs) Um, Just one more point and then I'll get back to your your question, Rob, I'm sorry. But um, I just wanted to um, sort of flush out a little more what Andy said about the fact that um, they don't have any people trying to sell metal back to them Mm -hmm. and they only have buyers. I mean, even stripping out this massive order, which we would never hear about something like that 20 years ago or 15 years ago, 10 maybe not even five years ago, definitely not five years ago. But, um, and Andy, I'm sure you remember this, there was a period of time, say from 2001 to, I don't know, probably 2008, when when retail, when, when silver would get, the price of silver, I should say, would get hit the way it's getting hit, Retail would sell their their metal back to coin dealers, mm-hmm. and, and especially the the ninety mm-hmm. percent bags. I mean those those flipped around like baseballs on a baseball field. You know, depending on what the market was doing. So to me, it's really interesting to hear that in this run up, you're not seeing metal come back at you.
2: No, and and junk's ninety percent is otherwise known as junk silver. I wouldn't dare call it junk anymore. In fact with the exception of silver eagles it's the most expensive form of silver you can buy and that here again no one is selling and when you talk about something that hasn't been made in the better part of uh, 55 years um you can't find it it's really really hard to come by and this is why they say there's no bull market like the metals bull market just wait until the price starts to confirm it people are concerned and it's fear. So they don't want to go back into dollars, even if what they are holding isn't performing the way that they want it to, they know that ultimately it will. And um, what used to be taken for granted, when I started in this industry, I would sell 90% at 10 cents over spot and I would buy it at 30 cents back a spot. Now, you know, if you're able to secure it for under $8 an ounce over spot, you're, you're fortunate and it's really hard to come by. So that's exactly to your your point, Dave. No one is selling back anything, and and then you look at someone like the U.S. Mint, who who has been the model of inefficiency with silver eagles at over twelve dollars an ounce. They just came out. You know, we're one of the twenty-seven resellers, and I got a call from my distributor, and he said, "Listen, Andy, by the way, the U.S. Mint has just curtailed production of all gold into the second half of the year by fifty percent. Since wow. that, which was three weeks ago, premiums on eagles and buffaloes are up sixty bucks apiece." Now you're going to see it happen in gold starts with the U S mint trickles down to the rest of the the stuff. So it's an interesting time to say the least the the mint isn't making it any easier for us Americans to acquire their product.
0: Hey, Andy, real quick. And sorry, Dave, I wanted to put in a real quick story. When I first started buying gold and silver, I think back in 2009, the junk silver was the stuff that nobody wanted. People had absolute crap tons of it and and I would order it, it by the pound. I mean, I would just keep ordering that stuff. And I built up a ton of junk silver. It was the cheapest thing. And it has been the cheapest thing for a long time. And now you go out and look at the market, I can't find it. Uh, I, I think people have figured out you're going to want some small denomination silver, anything that's constitutional, that's minted. And and they have driven the price through the roof. But 12 years ago, during the last crisis, that was not the case. Nope. Uh, there was so much junk silver available. We had trouble getting eagles. So you had trouble even sometimes getting rounds, but there was always junk silver available. That's completely different uh, mm-hmm. than it was last time.
2: Completely, completely, completely different. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's the ability right now to trade your junk silver in and get United Kingdom Britannia's and walk away with a whole bunch more silver. I've never seen that in 33 years ever. So it's a very, very unusual situation right now. And, And I think if you look at that as emblematic of the whole picture of what Dave originally asked me, no one's selling anything back because you can't even find that stuff. You can get a few a bag here or a bag there, but try to try to spend a quarter million dollars on junk silver, and you'll have to call every single dealer in the country to to take what they have, and that's nothing. Wow.
0: So I think retail is very healthy, Dave. What do you think about the COMEX? What's your view on that? Do you think it's really started to move there, or you think we're not there yet? I'm.
1: You know, the problem is there's no way to know. I mean, mm-hmm. the everything that goes on at the COMEX is mostly opaque by design. And so as you mentioned, I you know, I'm skeptical of the numbers that we see on the COMEX. Well, I mean, you know, who, who puts the numbers together? It's the banks that operate the COMEX. They're the source of the data that goes, mm-hmm. that you see in the inventory and, and open interest reports every day. And in the weekly commitment and traders report. Now, is, is it 100% fraudulent? No way. But but I, you know, I don't. I think to some extent, and to the extent that they can, I think they try to paint a picture that they want you to believe in. So especially, mm-hmm. especially with with the inventory at the vault, because we know from that letter that uh, that Ronan Manley dredged up. I think it was last summer. I think it might have been like in August or something, where there was a letter buried on the CME website that went to the CFTC, and they mm-hmm. said we. We think that up to fifty percent of what we're reporting is eligible. Silver is not really eligible for use on the COMEX. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, just you know, people just conveniently ignore that. And how do you ignore that? That's an official letter from Mm -hmm. the CME telling, and they've got dis disclaimers on their vault reports, right? Disclaimers mm-hmm. at the bottom that you know this data is what it is, and we don't, you know, we don't vouch for it, is basically what it says. And I think that disclaimer showed up sometime between like 2012 and 2015. You know, it wasn't always there, so um, you know, I think everyone has to take what you're seeing reported by the COMEX and the LBMA with a grain of salt because there's no one there to independently audit it, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the physical metal that they claim is in the vaults. You know, we don't know how much of it has been allocated to several uh, deliveries, you know, in London and in New York. And and so it's just, you know, and one thing that I, I just can't stress enough and it ties into what Andy was saying about the demand for metal, real metal, real metal that is sent to people for their own possession. What we're seeing go on right now in terms of the price that we're observing is in the paper market it's not like when you see the price of gold or the price of silver gets slammed like it did yesterday there's not large institutional sellers of physical metal out there that that's not happening okay so the only the only entities that are selling real metal are the producers of gold and silver because that's their business and coin dealers selling it primarily to retail because that's their business. It's not like you know, big crates of gold bars and, and silver bars are exchanging hands every day on the COMEX. No, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, you know, ultimately at some point, I think that market forces are going to force a price reset again. And we see this from time to time, especially after periods of intense manipulation, the fall of 2008. Uh, the first quarter, really the first half of 2016, Um, you know, the period between March and late August 2020, okay, and that, those, those were physical metal-driven price resets, you guys all remember the, 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 the shortage issue in March and April, that was, you know, once again, papered over using the goofy, uh lbma comex joint venture contract (laughs)
3: so
1: and and then the other thing i just wanted to say is that you know you referenced etfs unloading metal during this past week Mm -hmm. well we don't really know i mean that's just accounting entries because Mm -hmm. again there's no audit mechanism for these etfs and we don't really know you know, whether or not metals really moving in and out of the vaults, especially with the subcustodian structure. I mean, what you're seeing is people selling say call just for example, you know, SLV being sold in mass. And so the, 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 the uh, managers of SLV, you know, have to adjust their inventory to reflect the cash outflow out of the, out of the, the ETF shares. So, um,
0: Dave, you're not, you possibly can't be saying that we don't know how much metal is out there because this is completely transparent. We know everybody's books are published and audited, right? Um, no, they're not
1: audited. <laughs> I think you can speak to that probably better than I can.
0: <laughs> it's funny when I looked over the audit procedures at the CME group for uh, their warehouses and they were full of disclaimers saying, we don't really guarantee this. We don't really guarantee that. This is a responsibility of somebody else. So at the end of the day, you look at that report and you're like, nah, it's not worth the paper it's printed on.
1: Exactly. And, you know, what the point that I've been making for for years, years and years, probably since 2006, I got into an email dispute with Ted Butler about this back in like 2006. I was like, well, here, no one trusts the banks. We know that they, they fraudulently report their books. So, you know, what makes you think, and they're the ones who report the COMEX data, what makes you think that that's going to be the only part of their business that they report honestly and ethically? Mm-hmm. What, what's the probability of that? I, I, mean, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you guys, tape, if, you, if you think that the banks are showing us the real numbers. And I think where the real Achilles heel is, is in the inventory reports.
0: Well, know we know JPM, JPMorgan's under trial again. Maybe Chris wants to speak about this because I saw this on your channel the other day, Chris. What's going on with JPMorgan in, in this Rico lawsuit?
3: Well, they finally started their trial. Uh, They have a couple of their executives facing RICO charges for manipulation in the gold and silver markets, which that just covers from 2008 to 2016. And it'll be interesting to see what sort of evidence comes out of there. I know some of the the traders who have already admitted guilt are -hmm. testifying against some of the senior traders Mm -hmm. and... Certainly there's evidence out there that there's been a lot of manipulation. You know, is it all in one direction? I don't know that that's necessarily the case. But, you know, we see these times where a lot of paper is dumped on the market. The price drops and really is not the way you would execute an order if you're trying to sell for the highest price. So. Uh, Hopefully a little more clarity will come from that trial to see what's actually been going on. Although one thing to add to what Dave was saying in terms of how accurately is some of the data being reported, the CFTC did just recently find JP Morgan again. This time it was for failure to comply with reporting obligations related to swap dealings. So this stuff is out there and it, it makes it hard to know what's the accurate data because we... Mm-hmm. Just continue to read them, getting fined and caught for not reporting it. So, makes it a tricky environment. And, like all of you guys have been pointing out, when it's traded in paper, you have a lot of funds that I think often view things differently than the average retail investor out there. I don't know that most of these funds are quite as, con- maybe now they're becoming concerned about inflation, but. Generally, we're following that inflation was transitory. The Fed has things under control. And I don't think that they're seeing things as problematically as a lot of us do yet. Now we're seeing the signs continue to add up. And in the end, you have a financial system that looks wobbly. The Fed's doing incredibly aggressive interest rate hikes. The markets are having a hard time handling that. And I think people are figuring just are a little confused in trying to figure out where does this lead? Is the fed Mm -hmm. going to pull a rabbit out of their hat? Mm -hmm. Um, With that said, I've wondered, I don't know if it's going to be as straightforward as just the fed pivots. And then all of a sudden it's off to the races in the sense that let's say the fed gets rates up to three and a half percent and then pauses for a while. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy to do that but there's a degree to which I assume they're going to try and draw this out as long as possible which on one hand rightfully so I guess they should be trying to maintain the financial system but that doesn't address these underlying flaws where all this money has been created mm-hmm. and now uh, you have the, the the repo balances sitting there and there's no place for the money to go and I think a lot of people are hoping. Well, somehow it'll be okay. Yet the problems are out there, which has more people turning to gold and silver right now.
0: Yeah, it sure does. And you know, the idea has been out there for a long time. It's considered a conspiracy theory or an edge theory that the the markets were manipulated. I, just with the fines you see from JP Morgan by itself, not even going back to the whole history of you know Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and all those other guys. Deutsche Bank, I think you know, ha- had a lawsuit against them too. It, 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 I mean, it's pretty obvious to see the guys that had their hands in the markets all the time are, are, are manipulating them. And not only that, but they're market makers because they have all the data and they know what's going on. They're trading house accounts and customer accounts. I, at this point, you know, and I called, I kind of put out a tweet the other day and was calling out gold industry analysts for not recognizing manipulations. One of the things that drives me crazy in our industry is not to talk about it honestly. And there, there continue to be some big names out there, uh, people that people respect, that go to conferences, you know, that people recognize, that talk about the fact there's not manipulation, and it's so blatantly obvious now. Um, my, my question is, when can we get honesty around this? When can we just be honest about this? You know, it, it's past the point of even. You look silly now if you try to make that argument. There's too much data out there. So, so when do we get true honesty and? And maybe do we get it at the same time that we figure out what everybody's actually have, what they have in their and what they're holding in their cards, right? Where well, they're holding in cards and physical. Well, we also get, you know, we also get people to finally admit when it's obvious, I guess, when there's a run that there's nothing left. You know, I just keep waiting for that moment. I'm not seeing that moment. So somebody tell me when, <laughs> when can we see that moment? What's going to have to happen?
2: after the market flips after it goes the other way i don't know if you guys saw ted butler's last commentary it's actually very thought provoking he shows that the day that the nickel market failed on on the LME was all time high for gold and, and a year long high for silver from that day he's insinuating that the commercial banks got a wake up call because from that day, they have pared down their short positions by almost 40%, while the managed money has gone the other way and has capitulated almost 85%. His, his He is saying they got a wake-up call, hoodwink the managed money into going record short, and maybe this time they let it run. Once they let it run, we'll find honesty and transparency, but when they're holding it down in a very opaque fashion, we probably never will until it breaks the other way. It's just the same way that our administration calls inflation Putin's fault. There's no honesty in any of the reporting. We no. have to look to guys like you and, and all of us who are out there trying to, to show the truth, but from the exchanges, I don't think it'll ever happen until until they let it run.
0: Hey, Andy, there, there was one chart in that OCC report I went over this week or last week, I forget when it was, Office of Control yes. of the Currency, the derivative report. Yep. And there was one which showed JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, their value at risk went up. And and as I read that document, as value at risk was defined, that's what they're defining their own risk is that they could lose. And I think that's probably a conservative number, but it has spiked since last year. So two of those big four dominant banks that control not only the precious metal derivatives, but the whole derivatives market in the US are, are reporting higher value at risk. And I wonder if they had to, because of new Basel rules, if they had to dump. And, and if that's where a lot of short dumping came in is they got in trouble and they had to liquidate some stuff.
2: That chart is unbelievable. It, it, that chart that with the orange bar, I know what you're talking about, is is 10 times what it's been over the last several years. I mean, I don't know how far back you can go and see, but mm-hmm. and that would coincide. That was all quarter one, 2022 and mm-hmm. quarter two now. So you can see the concerted effort that they have put into holding things down. But Mm -hmm. what he's basically saying is that it was a hoodwink that they started the ball rolling and the managed money capitulated and is now record short. Well, who takes the other side of that record short? It's them, the commercials, and maybe just maybe the, the what could have brought down the 140 year history of the LME was a wake up call to, Hey, Get your damn house in order because silver and gold is much bigger than the nickel market. This can blow everything up and, and maybe the, they're going to let it run to the upside this time. Let's cross our fingers because what other entity ever shorts a rising market but the commercial banks? So maybe the commercial banks won't be the one shorting the rising market this time. Maybe they'll actually be adding to their longs and crush the managed money this time to the point where the managed money never comes back in and plays this game with the commercial banks ever again and let the price run.
3: Yeah, and Rob, you mentioned the Basel III, which I guess that's about a year since that first change went into action. And it is interesting, though, seeing how the bank short position has been reduced by some metrics, showing them long and makes you wonder if that's part of getting on sides for something that's coming in the future.
0: Yeah, it it certainly seems there's a lot of repositioning in that market. Um, and got there's just so much more data out uh, about that than there used to be. It used to be really hard when I started this 12 years ago to try to figure stuff out. There just didn't seem like the data was as rich. And the funny thing is, is I think a lot of data gets reported on this market and the banks don't necessarily like it, but what are they going to do? they've really been exposed. So what do you think the, uh, I'll ask Dave this question, what do you think the end game is? Are we near the end game in terms of, are we going to get true uh, market price discovery in gold and silver? Or is it just going to be a different version of the game, do you think? What you know? What do you think is the next step? Because I don't, the the fraud, you know, the fraud can't continue. People see through it. So what's next?
1: That's a great question. You know, there's I was talking with someone about this earlier in the week. You know, we kind of thought what happened in 2008 was going to be the end, end game. And yet, really, they had just started, uh, you know, fixing or fixing everything by printing a massive amount of money. Mm-hmm. I think. I think the end game happens when they know that, you know, doubling again, what they print this time, isn't going to do anything. You know, that the, the, the power of the marginal dollars has lost most of its power in that case. So, yeah. um, you know, is it this time around? I don't know. Um, I, I do think at some point, and again, without putting a, you know, a, specific time frame, other than to say, you know, the next six to nine months, I do think that we're gonna be seeing much higher levels of gold and silver in that, you know, within that time frame than where we are now. And, and it's, you know, all the indicators that I've, that have been around to signal a bottom or a bottom forming in the market are starting to show up again. So, and I'm sure everyone's aware of those, those signals, like, you know, like the COMEX Bank, category going net long paper silver and the hedge funds being net short and I'll be interested to see the the COT report today because the the hedge funds uh I mean they they decreased their net long position paper gold by 18,000 contracts last week that's a and lot if they do that again this week they'll be net short gold and I can't remember if that's it's ever been the case that the hedge funds are were net short paper gold. there might have been brief periods where they were, you know, mildly short paper gold over the last 21 years. but um I think if that happens, you know, that just adds to the power of the signal that we're getting from the structure of the the silver section of the commitment to traders report. So mm. um, uh, you know, I, I think at some point, they, the banks have to pull back and let price discovery at least take the price higher so that they can somehow rebalance the, the, the demand equation, the supply-demand equation in the physical market. Because I think we all agree that, that the physical market is showing all the signs, both gold and silver, of being very tight right now.
3: Yeah. Rob, one thing in terms of when you're saying what could actually change this, when I got into gold and silver back in 2009... We were starting to hear about China buying a lot of gold, which has continued over the past decade or so. But it's like you had this unusual system in the US where the debt piles up, the money printing piles up, yet nobody knows what else to switch to. So it is on one hand a little bit illogical, feels like a Ponzi scheme, but everyone's just using it. Nobody wants to see more chaos in the world yet the things we've seen in the Russia-Ukraine war and with Russia and the BRICS moving away and speaking out adamantly, the Putin last year talking about he's done with the Rothschild dollar. I mean, these are things that hadn't happened before. It, it seems like now there's actually a group of countries and leaders that not only want to get away from it but have the means and the ability to do something and you know it's hard to know exactly what they have planned but everything Putin doesn't say a lot of stuff that he doesn't plan on doing he's one of the few politicians that you can actually take a lot of what he says with credence and they've continued talking about studying uh, ways around the dollar system the new reserve basket currency how that plays out we'll see but now there's actually something else happening where groups are making plans to move away from that and i think that's uh the way some of these situations go it keeps going and will keep building until there's some force changing it and that certainly seems like it could potentially
0: be it yeah that's a good answer i like that answer Andy, any last thoughts
2: yeah, couldn't agree more. I think the um, the linchpin of everything is, is Saudi Arabia. Look, that's what gives us our, our reserve status is the protection of the Saudi kingdom, who just came out and said they're talking about joining the BRICS nations, yeah, who, Ari, to- who are in discussion with the Chinese for selling their oil in yuan. Nigeria, the second largest producer of, of oil for OPEC, is already selling their oil for yuan. And Coincidentally, both Nigeria and Saudi Arabia struck a joint military, military cooperation agreement with Russia the day we left Afghanistan. The pieces are being put into place. Now you have India, we're their largest trading partner, who just said last two days ago that all domestic uh, um uh trading will be done in rupee instead of in dollars you can see the concerted effort to de-dollarize and if all of these nations coalesce remember the belt road initiative connecting 75 percent of human population using the new digital yuan to which 12 billion in transactions has already taken place it's a successful digital central bank digital currency If all these nations coalesce peg gold to the back of this new digital central bank digital currency and have a new BRICS currency that is pegged to gold like that. It's over in this country as as OPEC dumps the dollar as a singular reserve currency or the petrodollar. And and all of those dollars flood home. The Fed says they want to get tough on inflation. They don't. They don't want to light the fuse. But the BRICS nations, the villain, Putin and Xi and BRICS and, and, and OPEC could very quickly change the whole dynamics in this country. As all those dollars come home, the byproduct being skyrocketing interest rates, and then it becomes very interesting in this country. So yes, what Chris just said to me is the key to everything. It is the key to to the future of the dollar and of the markets. And if we lose the petro reserve status, the byproduct of that is not pretty. So this is why you buy gold and silver. It's not to get wealthy. It's because because in, in a situation where the dollar is, is no longer accepted as the singular world reserve currency, it becomes a real big problem with interest rates and inflation much bigger than anything we're seeing right now.
0: Hey, Andy, uh, you know, hyperinflation really is a loss of confidence. It's not that money's being printed, it's already been printed, and hyperinflation comes when people are dumping. And people traditionally think of currencies hyperinflating from the inside, but what you just described in de dollarization and shoving all those euro dollar, what they call euro dollars, back into the US you know, more dollars exist overseas than here. What If all that stuff comes back to us, couldn't that be a loss of confidence in the dollar that sparks, you know, ignites that spark for Americans to say, eh, maybe, you know, we're not the, the best horse in this race anymore.
2: Yeah. And maybe that's why we got a $50 million order from a billionaire mm-hmm. because people are, who are the wealthy people, oftentimes are a little bit more tuned in to what's going on. And I've never seen anything like it in 33 years, um, I, I will just simply say to you that I think that is the key to everything right now. And I, I applaud you guys for bringing it up and talking about it because I don't hear it enough. And I think the Fed is not the focal point. That's the distraction. It's the loss of the, of confidence and it's the loss of the, of the reserve status that is the linchpin to everything in this country right now. And, and when you factor it against Sky-high valuations in all of the markets in this country at the lowest interest rates in human history. The inverse of those dollar dumpings is is rising rates, which does the dirty work for the Fed, creates a villain um, to rally against, and but the byproduct of that is markets that try to find equilibrium in a massively rising interest rate environment, and that's not going to be a good thing in this country. So. That to me, what Chris just brought up and what you just said to me is everything. It's the only thing that I'm focusing on right now, kind of a macro perspective. And I hope I hope we're wrong. I hope it doesn't happen. But if it does, buckle up. It's going to be crazy.
0: Handy, I have a request. Yes. Once we're through this this crisis and everything, can you write a book and document everything from your side as a dealer?
2: I'd love Everything to. that was going on. <laughs> I would love to get on the same page as you two guys. I want to have a book that I can put next to both of yours in my bookshelf. So Yes, the answer is
0: yes. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure everybody yours. in the gold market would love, every enthusiast would love to read that story.
2: Well, I appreciate you guys very much. I really do. And it's an honor to be part of a round table with you guys. It's an honor to call you, you friends. And uh, you know what? We're sticking through this to, to the end and I'll be here with you guys
0: till the end. And I, I can't wait to see what the final chapter looks like. Awesome. Any last thoughts, Chris, before we wrap it up?
3: yeah just one other uh, point to what we've been talking about that i think is reflected by what andy's seeing on his side is also just the blowback from the financial sanctions that have gone on through this war where you know we saw the ruble get blown out now it's actually stronger than before and not to pick on joe biden but i think people are concerned when they see the leadership and how things are being handled at times I'm left uh, finding it difficult to believe if this isn't some sort of intentional sabotage on some level, because it, it just seems so bizarre, the strategy they're taking. And Mm. again, the fact that there's now, there's now someone out there that's willing to stand up to the dollar bully, uh, Mm. which didn't exist before. And You know It's not an ideal situation, but when you see how this is playing out and they're backing their currency with something versus the dollar has nothing, I think a lot of people saw that for a long time and thought, well, yeah, we don't like this, but what can we do? Now someone's doing something and that's reflected by those sanctions and the
0: exchange rates. All right, guys, thanks so much. I know we're in a bit of a time limit, but we'll have you guys back on the program. Thank you, Dave, Andy, and Chris. Appreciate it. Love you guys. You guys all all stay well.